Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. And so you can turn with me this morning. Let's go ahead and jump on over then to Luke 15. And really today's message kind of came out of some things I experienced here the last few weeks as I was getting ready for today. And then again, it's the summer season, so it's a different set of Sundays or ministry things based on what's happening. But my wife and I were in Colorado last week. We thank you for your prayers. She had an uncle that passed away. So we were going to go up for that, but she asked me if I would do the memorial service. And so that was last Saturday. We flew home Sunday night. When we were there, we got in Wednesday night, and we had, uh, with uh, her aunt, we had sat around on the patio that evening, and she invited some of her neighbors, some of her friends over to sit around, because I didn't really know, his name is Korbchai Sivai Veshai Pong. <laughs> his name is longer than the alphabet. Don't ask me to spell it, please, but um, he was a man from Thailand, uh, 17 years old, he was born in Thailand, 17 years old, he came to the States, and uh, lived with an older brother who had previously moved there. He learned English by watching American movies and listening to American music. Um, interestingly enough, his older brother, uh, who came, um, he lives in the States too, but came to the service there in Denver, um, I asked him how he learned English, and he said by watching The Price is Right over there. <laughs> they couldn't get a whole lot of shows in Thailand back in the day, but they watched The Price is Right, which explains why he kept saying every time when we were with him, he kept saying, if you have dogs and cats, make sure they're neutered and spayed, and stuff like that. No. Those that, okay, that's a joke for the older people that know Bob Barker. Right, come on, right? And they kept saying, come on down. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so, all right, I'm, okay, let's move on. Uh, so, uh, so we're sitting around the table, and it was an amazing moment for me. I'm listening, I'm writing, taking notes. I want to capture his life. I want to capture who he is. I'm definitely going to talk about the scripture because he knew God. Um, they weren't always necessarily in church, and the, the neighbors and friends weren't always in church, and just different things for different reasons, but he knew God. And so, obviously, I was going to bring scripture about, you know, a relationship with God in heaven. Um, but what really struck me about his life is even though he may not have, was maybe one that would talk about God all the time, he lived a life that I felt reflected God, whether he realized it or not. And uh, he lived a life that really touched every life around him. And it was amazing to hear the stories because we can say what we want about ourselves, but the true mark of our life is based on those around about us, right? What they say, what they do, how they are. And so I'm listening to these stories and I'm just thinking, I wish I knew this gentleman better because he just really touched so many lives, just one guy touching lives, not realizing him. When it was over that night, I, I talked to my, uh, Jessamy's aunt and I said, right here, the eight, eight, six or eight people sitting around the table, I said, this is what every pastor longs for for his church. He, he, he wants his people to have groups like this. That's a small group, the power of small groups. He wants his church family to be in groups where they do life together and they're there for each other and they support each other and then when there's a need, they rally around and I said, what you're doing here without even trying, without even a bunch of people that are regular churchgoers, you're doing the gospel here by getting together and supporting and loving and encouraging each other. I said, this is what every pastor dreams of. But there was one empty chair at the table, we were sitting outside, and I thought about that chair for a second, not from a standpoint of, to me, I'm just kind of processing this with my wife the next day, and I'm like, I'm like what, really, what really stood out to me is I don't know if there was just random chairs put out there, maybe they're used to these many chairs because Casey would be there, there's an empty chair, maybe it'd be a chair that would be symbolic of, well, that's Casey's chair, but I thought after understanding who he was, I thought at any table Casey would sit at, he would have an empty chair, whether he was there or not, because it would represent his heart for people because I believe he was the person that lived a life to touch lives and I believe that empty chair would reflect or represent rather there's always room at the table for one more 
just one more. That we all should have an empty chair at our table for the idea of life is not about us, but it's that those who aren't at the table yet, those strangers who need to become friends, those are hurting who need to be helped, and that should be part of who we are and should reflect our life. And so here's a man that wasn't necessarily a consistent churchgoer, although he knew God, with people that didn't really go to church. In fact, um, I, I, in order to share a lot of the things that they on the memorial service they were sharing, I had to do a lot of editing, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of creative editing in the moment. But I thought their just honesty and their love for each other was something that just spoke volumes that my heart and my hope is that we would all see life that way, that we're not here for ourselves, but we're here for other people. And that's a spiritual truth, whether you're a believer or not living it out. Spiritual laws are spiritual laws, and they work no matter who's implementing them. Law of sowing and reaping, etc. So uh, I was really struck by that, and I thought that was a powerful message. I hope that I was able to capture his life somewhat, but his life spoke to me in that moment more than all the years that I've known, known him, and I didn't know him that well. But what really hit me that day was, here's a group of people that in the time that they needed it most, they weren't going to church for help. The church was going to them to help them. And I thought, what a novel idea that we shouldn't expect just people to come to the church for help, we should be the church that goes to the people to help. That we shouldn't just wanna have church in this building on Sundays, we should have church out there every day of the week and take the church to them. And I think that's what God always intended. In fact, Luke 15 really speaks to that to me. And I, I wonder how many of you actually came to the Lord in church, or how many of you came to the Lord because the church came to you? I was thinking about just the story of, uh, my mom could probably tell it better, but as I remember it, my dad, uh, when we were little, um, my dad had given his heart to Jesus as a kid at the Assemblies of God Church when he'd go visit his grandparents. Can I tell you, thank God for God, the grandparents. Come on, somebody. Grandparents, keep praying. Keep praying for your family. When you got those kids, grandkids, you get them in church. Anything you can do. And so he wasn't necessarily walking with the Lord his whole life. In fact, he kind of got away from him, went over to Vietnam, and as most people probably did, got really close to God. Battlefield prayer, two combat tours. God, if you get me home alive, I will serve you all the days of my life. He got home alive. Unfortunately, many didn't, and we honor all those. We honor our military people. We honor everybody serving. Thank you so much. He came back alive. Many don't, so thank you for your sacrifices, people and families. So, and then he got away from that commitment that he made, that prayer that he made to God, and really, just because of what had transpired, he really had some tough, tough road ahead of him until one day. A man that worked with him was sharing the gospel with him. He didn't go to church. In fact, my dad would drop my mom, my brother, my sister, and I off at Pier Moran Baptist Church right there in Goshen, Indiana, right across the Pier Moran Mall where my mom worked. We'd go there, and my dad would just drop us off and come pick us up later. And we're like, can we go with you, dad? No, you go to church, right? And so at some point in time, though, this gentleman who went to church was with my dad, worked with him, and just shared the gospel, lived his life, didn't push him away, didn't force it on him, didn't judge him, shared his life that one day my dad just broke down and rededicated his life. What happened? The church came to my dad. And I just wonder how many of you have a similar story. I don't know how many of you in here came to God in church or how many of you came to God when the church came to you. And I think it's important for us to understand then what Jesus is trying to say here because it wasn't about, this wasn't about you going to church it was about the church going to you. And it's great to have church inside the building, but it's great when the church leaves the building. Amen. Right? We should leave every Sunday. The church has left the building. Right? right? And get on with what God has for us. You don't have to go to Mexico to be a missionary. You don't have to go to India to find people who don't know Jesus, never heard of Jesus. 
You don't, you don't have to go far to find one who does not know Jesus. It doesn't matter if it happens in a church or in an office or an outreach or a ball game. It doesn't matter if it happens in, in the, at the front of the altar or in the front yard. Jesus is like, the one is important. Let's not miss the importance of the one and be willing to be the church that goes to the people and not expect the people to come to the church. And it's amazing that Jesus is expressing here, we'll get into it in a minute, that the one matters. It's amazing how God can use one moment, one conversation, one prayer, one small group, one serve day, one outreach, one all-star. It's amazing the power of one. One Saturday morning, one bag of food. It's amazing. And Jesus tells several stories, in fact, in Luke 15, about the power of one. Let's take a look at the one about the lost sheep. Luke 15, it's a great picture. Actually, if you look in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that this is the, this is the gospel, this story is the gospel encapsulated in the gospel. Here's what it says. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, which for just a moment, I love that. That's awesome to me. Jesus' small group was full of people nobody else wanted to be around. <laughs> And what's funny to me is, I really kind of feel bad for the tax collectors because they were so hated, they weren't even lumped in with the sinners. The sinners are like, no tax collectors, we don't want to be, we don't want to be lumped in with you. <laughs> Get away from us, right? It's just funny to me. But here's the idea. Jesus was hanging around people. He wanted people in a small group nobody else wanted. He wanted the broken. He wanted the hurting. He wanted the lost. He wanted the rejected. He was going to them. And we would think, yeah, that's what the church does. But look at the next scripture, verse two. But the Pharisees and the teachers of law the religious crowd, the church, if you will, muttered. That word muttered is just funny to me. What'd you say? Nothing. Right? Boomhauer. I don't even watch that show, but Boomhauer Family Guy, right? I don't know that. What'd you say? Jesus, what'd you say? And they're muttering. You know what muttering means? They're griping and complaining. That's what it means. Look it up. The church is griping complaining. What were they muttering about? This man welcomes. Welcomes means receives, invites. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The church is griping and complaining about Jesus' small group to the lost and the hurting. Which sounds unbelievable to us, but you know what? I think people still operate that way. I think churches still operate that way. I think we've forgotten about the power of one. When you get back to that, make sure you understand that. Thank you for your generosity and your heart because I don't believe we believe that way. Verse three says this. So Jesus knew what he was talking about. So then Jesus told him this parable. He's like, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave? Like, wouldn't you leave? Like, who wouldn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home and then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Jesus is telling us the power of one. That there are a lot of ones out there that we need to be mindful of. We need to be aware of. And he tells it in a way that, wouldn't you do this? Who wouldn't? And you look at the wording. And we would all say, of course we'd leave the 99 for one, or at least we want to say that. But it's really counterintuitive to us. And it's counterculture to us. We're not, we're not trained that way. Culture doesn't teach us that. Culture teaches us to look out for ourselves and hold on to what we got. You know, when we were in Colorado listening to the stories of people talking about KC, it reminded me again of the power and importance of one. And, in, and around there, as people were talking, and I'd meet them, if my, if my wife's aunt didn't introduce me that way, this is Don, he's the pastor or whatever, 
And people would ask me this question, so what do you do? And that's like extended family of just me's and friends and stuff. And can I tell you, that's probably the, that's probably the one time pastors truly are tempted to lie. <laughs> what do you do? Hmm. What do I do? Hmm. I'm a teacher. Because you have no idea what the follow-up's going to be to that, right? You know, why do you ask? <laughs> so I'm a teacher. Oh, really? What great? Oh, all ages, all ages. I teach all ages. So it's really the lie of omission, not commission. And so, so I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. But you know, the reality for me is like, I don't feel that way anymore. Like I, I don't want to tell that or not be honest with it because to be honest with you, I, I love that question. I look for that question these days because when people would ask me, what do I do? I love to tell them how much I love what I do, how much I love what we do. And as we get close to 38 years of ministry, I actually said this to everybody that asked me that question. Actually, I love what I'm doing. I'm having more fun doing what I do now than I ever have in my life because we have the greatest group of people here that knows what it means to be like Jesus. They're so generous, and they love people, and they give, and they serve. I love it. I can't imagine it. I love it. I've been on staff for 27 years. I've been the senior pastor for 12, almost 13, and I've never had more fun or enjoyed it more than right now. I've never been a part of anything like this. Can I tell you, it's beyond anything I ever imagined your generosity, your heart for people, your willingness to serve, how we all get involved, how we all rally around a serve day or a mission event or a lunch or, or something, how we all mobilize to serve and change a community. All together, we're making a difference for eternity. It's truly the most powerful thing I've ever seen, and it's incredible, and it's you. And I've watched and I've seen it. I've watched and seen that we've done and we're having to expand because of growth and because of numbers and we we talk about the, the people that we're reaching and touching, but the heart of this church always has been and always will be centered around the importance of the one person. In the middle of all that I believe that we've held on to the power and importance of one. And I thank God for all the numbers. I thank God though for the one. And I asked an update, I asked Susie, my sister, and I was studying this message out and I said, what are... What, how many people have we reached this year with the gospel? Like how many like, salvations have we had? Because we do the best we can to track it just for the sense of are we doing, a, are, are we doing what God's called us to do? And, and not to comparison with anybody else, but are we on mission? Are we accomplishing what we're here to accomplish? And how many people through our Sunday services and through our kids and through our outreach and through our missions, how many people have, do we know or feel that, that we've had change in lives? And here's the number I got. So far this year, 2019, year to date, half over, 1,030 lives have been touched and changed with the gospel. We're only halfway, we're only halfway through the year. We're only halfway, but you know, I thought that number's amazing. I thought over 1,000, and it was 713 here. We had roughly 317. Pastor Jeff gave me the report from our Mexico mission trip with their services and then their outreaches and bag and a prayer. So when you look at this number based on Luke 15, it's not 1,030, it's one times 1,030. It's one times 1,030. As if God would say one, 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 all the way up to 1,030, and not like maybe 5, 10, 25, 50, 37, 48, 56, because God's interested in the one. He's interested in the one. I love that. And you're the one. The cross was for the one. Yes, the cross was for all of humanity, but the cross was for the one, and it could add up to 1,030, but it's still about the one and the heart of tree life. Why we do what we do is to reach the one. And you know what? If you're the one, 
you're thoughtful for the church that will leave the 99 and go after the one. If you're a parent and you have a lost kid, you're thankful for a church that will go leave the 99 and go after the one. So here's what, that's why we do a serve day, a whole serve day, one hour, one moment, one event for one person to reach the one. Here's what I want us to remember, that every number has a name. Every number has a name. It is a person, it is a soul. It's about the one, each one is important. I want you to remember that every name has a story. Every name, I'm amazed at however many people are in here today, however many people are, there's that many stories, and you'd be amazed at some of the other stories in this room. But they are all real. You have a story, all of us have a story. And remember this, that every story matters to our God. Every story matters to our God, not just the good stories. Every story matters to our God. And where you've come from matters to God. What you're going through now matters to God. What you've experienced in the past matters to God. God wants it all, and God can use it all. And he wants it so much that he sent his one son so that we could live. So the one person who's wandered off, been broken, sinned, and all have sinned, the Bible says, He sent his son so that our story could be redeemed, our story could be restarted, our story could be restored, our story could be rescued because God is for the one. Luke 15 says that the shepherd has 100 sheep. 100's a lot. I mean, you can imagine like 100 sheep, that's gotta be a lot. I mean, I was thinking about what does 100 look like? And then we were at at my my wife's uh, aunt's house and and so I'm trying to just get, trying to just do whatever I can to get and feel who Casey is to be able to present this memorial service. And so Thursday night, we're there, we got there Wednesday, Thursday night, we're there, we, um, in order to do some more research, if you will, um, I went with some of her family to the Rockies-Dodgers baseball game. I thought, well, what else could I really understand him better than in a ball game with 47,000 people? And so her cousin came over to the house and he's like, come to get us. He's like, hey man, are you ready to go? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready, I'm, I'm excited. And he goes, okay, hold on a second. He opens up this bag and he pulls out this bag and he has these pretzels in them. These pretzels, he didn't know this, but these are my favorite things here. Pretzel bites filled with peanut butter. Who is the genius that thought putting peanut butter? I mean, that must have been from God right there, right there. Put peanut butter in a pretzel. It was amazing. This bag of deliciousness right here is a hundred pretzel bites. It doesn't even look like a hundred, but it's a hundred right there. And so I, I was eating as many as I could shove in my mouth at one time, and he's like trying to put them in his backpack. I'm like, well, what are you going to do with those? He's like, I'm taking them to the game. I'm like, how are you going to get them in the game? You can't take food or drink in the game. He goes, don't worry about it. And I said, okay, yeah, that's Jessamy's family. A little shady there, a little scary. Jessamy's family. You want something done? Jessamy's family right there. No worries. I, peanut butter pretzel filled the whole game. Every inning, seventh inning stretch, shoving them in my mouth. It was amazing. So then I'm studying on Saturday and this week and studying and I'm thinking, my wife knows me and so uh, I, when I study, I, I don't know why I'm this way, but I have to chew gum. I don't know why. Maybe it makes my brain work better. I don't know why. I'm just chewing gum, chewing gum. So I got a bunch of gum. I thought, what does 100 pieces of gum look like? And so this is 100 pieces of gum right here in this little baggie. I thought, maybe it looked like it was more or bigger. There's 100 pieces of gum in here. And I thought, well, how, how, how does that look? And, and what does that look like? And we were thinking, 100 sheep, what does that look like? And, and then I had this bag here, and I know you're thinking we're probably raffling this off for missions. It doesn't look like a raffle for missions Sunday. Hey, get your tickets, $20 of missions. You can raffle this bag of chips off. But if I was to take this bag of chips right here off this basket, there's 100 bags of chips in here. If I took this one bag off, could you tell there was 99 in there? No. No. You can't tell it. Thank you. 
man, I'm like, you get this bag of chips when service is over. I need it right now. I need it right now for the illustration, but you, you got what I'm saying? So how can you tell? So you can take this. So think about it for a second. So you lose a bag. Okay. I don't even know that there's not a hundred in there, but that's a lot of chips. And here's the thing Jesus was saying, how, we, how come do we get so settled with what we have instead of forget what we don't have or what's been lost? And, and I'm thinking this and because we're taught in our society that, hey, 99 out of a hundred is okay. I mean, can I tell you, like in school, if I got 99% or 99 out of 100, right, we had a party in my house, because it didn't happen very often, but we celebrated 99 out of 100, we, we celebrated my house. I, had a, I have many other gifts. And so, and so what, what, 99 out of 100, okay, so listen, if I could hit 99 free throws out of 100, I'd be playing for the Spurs right now. I mean, if I could kick uh, 99 field goals out of 100, I'd be in the Hall of Fame. I'd be kicking for the Cowboys right now. If I could close 99 business deals out of 100, I'd be employee of the year, maybe employee of the decade. 99 is not a bad percentage. 99, who would not take those odds? Who would not want that? One person and his name is Jesus. He's not satisfied. Because he is about the one and neither should we be satisfied. Because if there's one more out there that's lost. See, and that's the thing, because when you're looking and talking about sheep, because that's the illustration, here's what you have to understand about sheep. I don't, I don't know sheep from experience, but I studied it out and I read it out and did, did my time preparing for this. Listen, sheep have no sense of direction. No sense of direction. So if a sheep gets lost, it cannot find its way home. It doesn't operate that way. Sheep have no defense mechanism. They have nothing in them that would defend themselves in danger. I mean, God didn't even make sheep that could growl. <laughs> they can't even growl. If sheep are lost, and sheep, let me say this, sheep, sheep will eat their way off the edge of a cliff. They'll just keep eating, 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 and just walk off, look at, well, I thought there was more food there. I read a story about 1,500 sheep and these herds were together, and one went off and the rest followed him. Now we laugh, but there's a reason why Jesus uses sheep as an example to talk about people. That's the reason. <laughs> what Jesus says, so that one that's lost. So he comes home and he's looking at a sheep pen is I count one, two, three, four, I count. would you quit moving, counting your words? <laughs> counting the sheep gets 99. Well, number one, who's gonna go home and count? Looks, looks good to me, but not Jesus. He's always looking. And he's looking and he's counting and he realizes all of a sudden there's one missing. And the Bible says he's not content. The Bible says he goes to look. He goes to look and when he goes to look and he finds the one that's found, he goes and look and he says, there's only 99 bags of chips there and he goes and finds that one that's lost and he brings it home, puts it back in the fold. What's he do? He says, he calls his friend, says, you know what? I had 100, it went down to 99. Oh man, I'm so sorry. No, no, I went and found it. I got 100 now again. And it says they celebrate and they rejoice. He's all about the one. He's all about the one. The, the sad thing is that we get content this way and churches get content this way. But we need to go out and find him. We need to go out and search him. Aren't you glad someone came and found you? Aren't you glad somebody came and found you? You know, I'm glad God keeps a good head count. Because honestly, there are churches that don't. And we need to be on mission. We need to have his heart. Jesus loves the 99. 
but he's thinking about the one. He's looking for the one, searching for the one. The shepherd leaves the 99 looking for the one and he finds it. The one who wandered off, the one who was in danger, the one who was lost, the one who, who got. So here's the other thing about sheep. They, when they are by themselves and they get scared, they just go around in circles. It says they go around in circles in a panic until they collapse. And so the shepherd comes and finds them, puts them on his shoulder, scripture says. Puts them on his shoulder. Doesn't even say, hey, you need to just go that way. <laughs> get up, go that way. Puts them on his shoulder, carries them there. I'm glad God keeps a good head count. He finds the one, calls his friends, celebrate. Tells his friends, let's rejoice. Louder than we've rejoiced because we found the lost one. And I think, that's a, I think that's an important thing. Let's rejoice louder than we've rejoiced because we found the 1,030 ones. He loves the one. He cares about the one. We are all on an all-out search for the one. Here at Tree of Life, the one matters. And each of you is responsible to reach another one. That's how the gospel works. And without your one, then we're missing one. Because you're a difference maker. Your one matters. Your one makes a difference. The one Sunday you serve, the one service you serve, the one car you park, the one door you hold, the one camera you run, the one instrument you play, the one person you help in a classroom, the one box of cereal that you serve, the one cup of coffee you pour, the one group you attend, the one group that you lead, the one gift you give in the offering, the one meal you buy in the cafe, the one financial resource you give for safety doors or low sensory rooms or elementary rooms, the one missionary in India that you support, the one trip to Mexico, the one teen that you send to summer camp, the one prayer, the one message, the one invitation, the one outreach, the one person coming to Christ. It is the central message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about the one. All about the one. One matters. You matter. Here's what I want you to know here at Tree of Life, that all are equally, equally loved, but the lost are a priority. All are equally loved, but the lost are a priority. That's what Jesus expressed in the scripture. Well, how can be that way? This is the way Jesus was. All are equally loved, but the lost are a priority. It reminds me, I've told this story before, when my wife was at Schlitterbahn with the kids and Callie turned up missing. She got lost, she wandered off and turned up missing. She didn't go back to Schlitterbahn the rest of the season. But anyway, so she got lost that day. So my wife calls in a panic and says, I can't find Callie. And I'm on the phone here at the office and she's crying and trying to people to help and Schlitterbahn goes into their protocols or whatever that is. And at no point in time, at no point in time did I ever say to my, hey, it's okay, honey. Thank God we were smart enough to have two. We have a spare. No worries. <laughs> we love our daughters equally, but the loss was a priority. The loss was a priority. And at that point in time, we didn't want Camry coming up and saying, when we're searching for Cali, come up and saying, hey, can I get some $15 Dippin' Dots? <laughs> <laughs> now, it was all about the lost one. Everybody's loved equally, but lost are a priority. You know what? Everyone here is loved equally, but the lost are our priority. And that's why Jesus reminds the religious crowd. Let me give you another thing to know here about Tree Life. You're never lost in the crowd of humanity. You're never lost in the crowd of humanity. You may feel insignificant. You may feel you don't matter. You may feel overlooked. You may feel unimportant. But I want to remind you, God is the only one who has the ability to see each individual 
Each one, every person, every child, every teen, every single, every marriage, every community, every nation, every people group, you're never lost in the crowd of humanity. God sees you. Even if you feel like no one else does. No one else knows what I'm going through. No one else cares. He knows and he cares. And there's one that sees you and one that's searching for you. He's left the 99 and he's looking to love you and carry you home. I want you to know this, last thought. God reserved heaven's loudest noise for when one is served and receives the gospel. The loudest noise in heaven is is given for the one who is served and saved. The loudest noise in heaven. Let me ask you this question. What do you reserve your loudest noise for? See, because I was in a stadium with the Rockies and Dodgers playing. It was 12 to 8, 1 in the ninth inning. Amazing game. 47,000 people were cheering and yelling and standing. And on the big screens come this, let's make some noise. And the decibel meter, and everybody stands up and cheers even louder. What are we reserving our loudest noise for? So many other things. But Jesus says, the loudest noise in heaven is reserved for the one that was lost but is now found. Maybe we should. Maybe we should look at that that way. Luke 15, five through seven, here's what it says. In fact, it says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home and then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. In a few minutes, as we close all our services out, I give people an opportunity to accept Christ. And when I say bow your heads and close your eyes, you'll do that in here, but all heaven will stand to their feet. All heaven will stop what they're doing. All heaven will pay attention. All heaven will be on the edge of their seat. And when I ask people that if you need Jesus and you've never received him as Savior and Lord, and and you can't imagine him scooting closer and closer to the edge, just on the edge with anticipation and excitement, and look, 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 look. And then when hands go up, did you see that hand? Did you see that hand? And then we pray and I lead you in a prayer, and you get to that moment, and they're just waiting with anticipation. And when you say, I receive you as Savior and Lord in Jesus' name, amen, then heaven just erupts with the loudest noise there possibly could be. The loudest noise in heaven. The loudest noise in heaven is reserved for when the one is found. Heaven waits with anticipation. When the one says amen, heaven releases the loudest noise for the one, for the one, for the one, for the one here, for the one in Mexico, for the one in India, for the one in China, for the one uh, uh, that is down the street that prayed the prayer, for the one watching online, for the one, for the one, for the one. Heaven's loudest noise is for the one. God loves the one. And we stand amazed at God's love for humanity because we are the one. We're the one. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, heaven's on the edge of their seats, looking over the saints, the angels, at a lost humanity. And if you're here and you've never, you cannot remember a moment in time that you personally, intentionally invited Jesus in to be the Lord of your life. All heaven right now is pulling for you. All heaven right now is getting ready to give its loudest cheer for you. 
just for you. And if you would be willing to say, I cannot remember when I've invited him in. I've been around church. I've known church. I've been around church people. But I've never made Jesus my Savior and Lord. Then heaven is with anticipation awaiting your invitation to Jesus. And in just a few minutes, we're going to pray a prayer of commitment. And if that's you and you would say, I've never invited, never asked him to come in. Or I want to be sure. Maybe at grandma's I did. I'm not sure. But I want to be sure. Could you include me in this prayer? If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, could you include me in that prayer? Did you raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Oh, heaven's looking and saying, looking for hands. They're looking for your hand. Heaven's looking for your hand. Heaven's looking for your hand if you don't know Jesus. All of heaven's looking for your hand with great anticipation. Anybody else? You're the one. Anybody else? You're the one. Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, but it feels like he's a million miles away. Well, let me encourage you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But sometimes we get off track. We get off course with the things and plans of God. We need to make a course adjustment. We might say rededicate, recommit. If that's you and you would say, Pastor, could you include me in that prayer? I want to get back on track with the things of God. And I see your hand as well. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, thank you. Hands all over, amen. All right, everyone put your hands down. Look up for just another moment. Give me just another few minutes. Thank you for your patience. Most important thing we do right now, right here. I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment. not going to have anybody stand or come up front. I'm going to ask everyone to pray the prayer. Whether you raise your hand or not, let's all pray together. Let's pray from our heart because that's where the power is in our prayer. We pray from our heart. God sees our heart. Does what only he can do. Change and transform us from the inside out. So I'm going to say a prayer and ask you to repeat it, but repeat it from your heart or mean it from your heart and allow God to be God in our life because all heaven is waiting for this moment. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. Sent to the earth to die on a cross to pay for my sin and then go to a grave and rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin. And thank you for rising again so I can be free. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my Savior and Lord, now and forever. I receive you now, in Jesus' name. And all heaven awaits, amen. Amen, come on everyone, let's join heaven right now. Let's join heaven right now. The loudest noise, reserved for that moment. The loudest noise is reserved for that moment for the one and the one and the one and the one. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.